Welcome to the main experience. Welcome back to the Main Experience Podcast. You are listening to episode 15. It has been quite a few months since our last episode, and since then, the public health crisis that is COVID-19 has pretty much taken over everyone's lives. While it has affected so many people's livelihoods, it has also required an awful lot of people to start thinking outside the box, pivoting their business models, and requiring everyone to think a little more creatively, which is exactly what I try to explore on this show. That's why I'm really excited to share my conversation with the director of the Maine Outdoor Film Festival, Nick Callanan. Nick and I chatted about the origins of the film festival, how they had to change their plans amid the COVID crisis, as well as how you can enjoy screenings of this year's films in two different outdoor locations in Portland, as well as virtually online. Later, we will be featuring a song I absolutely love by one of my favorite main artists, Travis Sear. And finally, we will send you off with a main soundscape recorded in the Moosehead Lake region just last week. But first, here is my conversation with Nick Callanan. All right, so we are here on a Zoom call with uh, Nick Callanan. Thanks so much for coming on the show to talk to us about filmmaking here in Maine. Nick is the co-owner of No Umbrella Media and the director of the Maine Outdoor Film Festival. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Nick. Hey, Jason, thank you. Um, pleasure to be here. Awesome. So I want to jump right into the big project that I know you're excited about. Let's start talking about the Maine Outdoor Film Festival. For those that don't know what it is, can you tell us a little bit about it and what your involvement in it is? Um, sure, yeah. Uh, so the Maine Outdoor Film Festival is nine years old. Uh, it started up in the Forks back in 2012, uh, the Forks, Maine, where the Dead and the Kennebec River meet. Um, so Back in my early adulthood, I used to run a zine called No Umbrella, a reader for river people. And we printed stories and photos and all kinds of cool stuff up in, up in the uh, land of the rivers. Um, but yeah, then the, the internet hit central Maine and uh, uh, our advertising revenue sort of dried up because Google has a much more impressive ROI interface than my little free 30-page newsletter did. Um, so point being, we stopped printing around 09, but the energy behind the, um, you know, reaching outdoor adventure folk in an authentic, uh, honest way was, was still there. And, uh, we sort of switched mediums and switched media and, um, came back as the, uh, main outdoor film festival in, in 2012 and, um, that first year, we just held it up in the Forks. And then um, from there, um, we started bringing it around the state as more colleges and Main Street theaters in invited us to bring our programming to them. And that was a real successful model, touring all over Maine for about uh, six years. Um, and then, uh, you know, 2020, uh, you know, we actually saw an opportunity this year uh, to... You know, I'm laughing because this is a year that it happened, but we, we saw a vacuum of a big destination film festival in the city of Portland. And, um, you know, my kids were getting older and it was tough for me to travel so much. So, you know, our planning team said, hey, 
2020, we're going to hold a multi-day event here in Portland. Um, big venues, you know, big sponsors, panels, um, food and beverage, the whole bit. And, um, you know, that was what we were set up to do. And then, you know, um, things happened, yeah. uh, pandemic. And, uh, so we're still doing a bit, we're still doing a Portland event. Um, but it's not like the one we, we had planned, um, gotcha. 18 months ago. Yeah. So it wasn't quite what you what you had envisioned. Um, had so was this the first time that you were doing sort of a centralized Portland thing? Um, so this was the first first time. Gotcha. Yeah, this is going to be our inaugural um, kickoff, cool. uh, you know, flagship event, our inaugural flagship event, and um, you know, we're still going to hit uh, many of those towns that we've had success with for years and years. Um, you know, Rangeley, Bethel, Camden, um, Stonington. Um, you know, um, uh, Edgecombe, you know, these are the places that we, we visit. We sort of rebranded that as the Moff selects tour of Maine, um, where the actual film festival proper, um, now occurs in Portland. And, uh, you know, we, our partners, uh, really rallied around the fact that we were going to do our best to, to make it happen. Um, so what we're doing this year is, uh, we're holding seven, small venue outdoor screenings for 50 people or less um july 30th through august 9th um that's two weekends the first weekend it's going to be at thompson's point um outdoors there behind brick south and then on the second weekend we're we're holding it um at the eastern promenade um in a strip of grass between uh the uh, softball field and the the uh tennis courts so um it's a great program. We've got 58 films. Uh, we've got, it's over 12 hours of content and, you know, we're an international festival. We have films from, I think, uh, 14 countries this year. Um, many main films. Uh, we have six world premieres. We have, uh, five United States premieres on top of that. Um, a bunch of new England premieres, a bunch of main premieres. So, um, it's a great opportunity for folks who are interested in, you know, outdoor adventure or conservation films to, to see some really fresh work. That sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. Um, and talk about two incredible uh, sort of venues too, you know, outdoor and Thompson's Point and Eastern Promenade. Those are two great spots. So the sense you had to kind of pivot, I'm sh- at least you got two cool spots to, to be able to gather some small groups of people to show this stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit more specifically about like what that experience will be for those people that, that choose to attend these um, screenings? What can they see? What can they expect to see? What are you excited about? That kind of thing. Uh, sure. Um, so first of all, we're going to um, have them be, you know, as safe as possible, you know, following not only the sort of the letter of the prevailing state guidelines, but also the spirit of them. Um, we're going to be asking everybody to bring their own camp chair. Um, you know, you'll be asked to, to wear a face mask until you're comfortable in your seat. Um, and, you know, the groups of people will be sort of uh, distanced from each other. Um, we have a little cone system that we're going to be um, working with. But, uh, you know, there's groups of eight people showing up that are in a pod. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't take many of them to, to keep it spaced out in a big area. But um, as far as the films go, uh, this year's crop of films is the most impressive that I can remember. Um, you know, there's a lot of new modes of telling old stories. Um, you know, for example, you get the 
you know, the sort of ski porn film or whatever, you know, which is just a bunch of highlights. Okay. Everybody's seen that, but you know, we've got a, we have a couple this year where, you know, the editors just really took interesting uh, methodology um, and applied it to that, to that form with just, um, you know, quicker jump cuts and, you know, cut more to the music. And so there's one film called in situ that is about a woman snowboarder. That is kind of the one I'm thinking of as, as I speak about this. And it, it's just, it just makes you stoked to go bride. Yeah. Um, there's a film called um, Myrtle Simpson, a life on ice about a, a woman who is in, you know, her late seventies and she is a Arctic explorer and just, she's so humble and, um, yet such a badass, you know, and it's her life story. And, you know, it's one of those movies, it's like, it's 35 minutes long, but you know, you think it's like three minutes long. Cause you, so that one is on opening night on July 30th. Um, we're really proud to be, uh, the, um, world premiere festival for, for beer's sake. Uh, that's made by Benjamin Keller. He's a Mainer, uh, main filmmaker with a lot of really cool work to his credit, but, it's a, this is an interesting um, take on water conservation. Uh, it's told through the eyes of brewers. So he worked with nine different brewers from, you know, some of the best beers that you, you've heard of here in Southern Maine. Um, and they and him sort of looked at the conservation of the Sebago watershed, um, which is so unique. And that it's one of only like 50 out of, uh, I think, 17,000 municipal water supplies that actually doesn't require a filter. It's that clean. Yeah. So they're trying to take preemptive um, steps to to preserve that as opposed to reacting to clean up. And it's very well done. Um, so, you know, so those are three that I, I think people are going to like. But we've got, you know, we've got a little synopsis of, uh, of all 58 on our site. Um, so I'd encourage people to check it out. And is it like um, you're showing different ones at different days so you can kind of maybe find a film that you're interested in and figure out when that's being screened, that sort of thing? Yeah, that's right. So we have seven screening blocks um, and no film is actually repeated. Uh, We had to really (laughs) make use of our screen time this year. Um, So each one is a smattering of – you know, of, of different short films. We do have a double feature on August 6th at the prom. So that is uh, a Patagonia film called Public Trust and another film about uh, that's called Another Work is Possible that's about a barn raising effort in uh, Down East Maine by this band of traveling carpenters from Europe uh, who worked with locals. And it's, it's a beautiful film. Um, so those will both be shown on August 6th there at the prom. But yeah, every... Um, every block has, uh, its own, you know, unique curation. They all are about, besides that double feature, about eight to 11 films each. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. That's awesome. Um, was well, there anything else sort of, you know, about this 2020 festival that you wanted to talk about or plug or anything specifically before I kind of give, want to give people a little bit more background about you and, and your history here in Maine? Um, yeah, I guess I just want to say, you know, I've, I've been running events, um, you know, for, I mean, 25 years. Um, you know, I've never been more proud of a team that has stuck with it. I, you know, I understand other event producers who shut down late March, early April. I get it. You know, it's peace of mind. You know, you didn't have to worry about it. You know, you might take a beating, but I get it. 
um, safety, the whole bit, you know, but we, we've been running like three or four parallel business plans for four months now. And, you know, now that we actually see the one that hung in there the longest come into fruition, you know, these small venue screenings at, you know, two venues that literally didn't even exist on our plan a month ago. Like I, you know, we didn't know we were going to do this a month ago. Um, but we knew we had the, the excellent work and we knew, um, you know, that we've done this in the past and we didn't need much time to, to make it happen. Once we had those things, details fall into place. I'm just really proud of our team and the, you know, that we've been able to pull that off. And, and again, like the, the sponsors who stuck with us and said, you know what, we know this is not a, a you know, a one-time deal with you guys. We know that you guys are going to do it again and you've done it year over year. So I, I guess that's it. I just wanted to, you know, I'm excited. Like we sold 25 tickets overnight, you know, it's people are believing in it. So it's uh, yeah. So that's it. And there's actually, I can't really talk about it yet, but there's, there's a good chance that we're going to have some virtual panels that are going to be very pertinent to things that are happening in in current events um, right now, which is exciting because that's, that's something that we've never been able to do. And we're hoping to do in this first year as a flagship. And if it comes together online, um, you know, then um, that is just a icing on the cake to that free exchange of ideas film as a, you know, as a vehicle for, you know, for expanding thought and creative expression. Um, Yeah. So hopefully that happens too. So awesome. Yeah. Collaboration, creativity, and all that stuff is more important than ever. And thank God for technology, right? So that we are at least able to do, to, to collaborate easier in this crazy time, you know? So that sounds really cool. Um, yeah, well, then I guess just uh, to add on to that, I forgot to mention if, you know, if people aren't, if people are hearing this and they're, you know, not in Maine or they're not sure about attending in person, we are offering a virtual gold pass. Awesome. So you, you can watch all the content uh, just from your couch. And the info on that is, is on our site, but uh wanted to, Make sure we got that in there too. Awesome. Um, great. Yeah, that's good to know. We're probably going to sell out. So it's a great option to check out this work. If, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I just perused through the website quickly before our interview, and it looks like there's some awesome clips about some of the films that you're featuring. So anybody that's curious about the content, go check it out. And and um, it just looks like a lot of really cool, cool stories being told. So. That's really exciting, and I'm happy that you guys are, are still able to kind of pull the event off this year considering. So that's really great. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, you had, And then you sort of mentioned how this that was born out of No Umbrella and uh, No Umbrella Media. So kind of can you just talk about that sort of separate from the film festival, what that is and your work with them and the kind of stuff you guys do? Uh, sure, yeah. So No Umbrella began, like I was saying, as a print publication um, – you know, up in, up in the forks, we've got like 38 issues, um, you know, half a million copies in, in print. I'm, I'm sure they're all being saved in a basement somewhere, every single one of them. Um, that or like at my house, they are the base of my uh, garden bed, lasagna <laughs> style. Um, no, it, um, so we, we did run a print publication. Um, and then, you know, as I was saying, we, we sort of buttoned up shop, but um a buddy of mine, Nick Bowie, and I, we were both, uh, you know, raft guides, and we both were video boaters, which means you're the you're the dude with the camera who, you know, paddles ahead of the river trip, jumps out on the rock, takes the camera out of the 
um, you know, Pelican case gets onto the rock and then films the rafts as they go by, jump back in the kayak, go to the next spot, do it again, hustle back to base, edit a quick movie, sell it to your custody is 50 bucks a pop um, at the end of the trip. So, you know, we have always had fun making skits, you know, and, you know, I was a little bit more on the skit side and Nick was a little bit more on the, you know, cinematography, you know, really nailing the shot. So, you know, in 2010, when I was down in Port, I had moved to Portland and, you know, this is where he lived too. We, we got together and, and yeah, just started doing video uh, together and that was the beginning of no umbrella media and we've been doing it full time since 2013 um that was when we formed a as a company and um you know we you know we specialize in um you know all kinds of different production work we do uh, we've got done documentary films um we do a lot of stuff for um you know advertising and we work with many agencies in the northeast um boston Portland. Um, we also just work direct with our clients in a lot of cases. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work with like Maine Development Foundation, Bureau of Veterans Affairs, Gorm Savings Bank, LL Bean. So most of our stuff is on the uh, commercial corporate side, but once in a while we get a chance to do a little something that's a little a little more creative. I, I, you know, I definitely feel like the film festival, which is wholly owned by No Umbrella, is our you know, a chance for a big creative outlet. Um, and yeah, so no umbrellas myself and, and Nick Bowie, and we have two great employees, uh, Andrew Burgess and Mary Haley. And, um, you know, we're rolling with it here in this time of the pandemic. Um, you know, we're, we're staying busy and we're definitely going to survive. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's always great news, right? <laughs> There's a lot so, of people that are in that boat these days. So yeah, that's great to hear. Um, so you personally, um, kind of where did your, you know, like as a kid or where did your sort of inspiration come to like get involved with media and journalism and, and what made you want to kind of go that way as a career path? Um, yeah, well, um, I don't know. I was always like wicked into sports growing up. I grew up in uh, Camden, uh, area, um, Knox County. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I always want, enjoyed reading and writing and, you know, playing hoops and soccer and baseball. Um, I was talking to my brother the other day. Uh, we used to, we used to play like RBI baseball and like, we'd call the game, you know what I mean? Just while we were playing it on Nintendo, you know, and that was always a really, really fun thing. And, uh, so I, I knew I wanted to be involved with media, just, you know, doing that. And, and I went to college in Vermont and did, uh, you know, I got a journalism degree from St. Michael's College. I worked at a weekly paper in the in Belfast for a number of years, and then I started my my publication. Um, and yeah, and I mean, as I was saying earlier, you know, that's sort of what led me into into video production um, for hire, and it's been great. Um, you know, it's I've been I've been in Maine my whole life, and um, you know, it's 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 cool to be able to you know do work for Boston agency that's got a Portland client and then you go to the tractor dealer in union and you can or do work with them. And, you know, you can kind of understand where people are coming from. Um, you know, and everybody's, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time and that whole bit. And it's really just about understanding them and then telling their story, you know, yeah. and then hopefully that works 
toward the end of what they've hired you to to create toward. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to uh, you know work for yourself and 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 tell stories. What um, when you sort of think of a new project, um, you, or maybe if it's a, a commercial client or or you sort of what the creative process? I normally like to talk to people on this show, sort of about like where is your starting point or what are some of the challenges that you face when you sort of are are approaching a creative idea? Um, Just kind of talk a little bit about your sort of personal process and, and how you kind of navigate that, that sort of thing. Sure. I think it certainly differs um, depending on whether it's something that you're, you know, doing for your sheer, you know, creative process, or if it's something that you're, um, trying to use your skills to the benefit of uh, a client. Um, you know, for for a client, I think, you know, we have a a questionnaire basically. But you know, what what are they trying? What messages are they trying to convey? Um, you know, what channel or use is it going to live on? Um, you know, what are the guiding principles of their company or or their their message? Um, you know, what are some of the images that they have in mind? Um, you know, and then what's their budget? How long do they have to get it done? Uh, You know, and then from there you can get an outline and a a storyboard. And, you know, for when it's something for myself, I think it's more, you know, you can really let your heart run it, you know, where, you know, it's, it's um, those are the, those are the projects where, you know, you feel the spark and then you chase that, you know, and uh, I wish I got to do more of that work. I, I do, you know, this film festival is definitely where that energy is, is hanging out for me right now. It's, uh, it's so rewarding to see, um, you know, the feedback from the filmmakers and the attendees that they understand what we're trying to do because we've shown it and that message gets to them. And, um, what, what a treat, you know, what a treat to be able to execute, on something that you put so much time and thought into and actually have it be understood the way you intended it to be understood, um, by the people that you hoped would, would receive that message. So, um, yeah, um, I wish we get to get it to more folks this year, but, um, you know, it's good training for next year, hopefully not the year after. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Pretty sure we'll be in good shape next year. Right. Um, as a society. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, so you mentioned you're from Camden area and you grew up in Maine. You've lived here your whole life. Yeah. You said, um, so uh, how tell people about what Maine is to like you or what, you know, how do you summarize Maine for maybe someone who doesn't live here and is maybe a listener and thinking, Oh, Maine, I've always thought Maine would be cool or I've been there and I love it. What, what's Maine like to you? You know, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think Maine I think Maine people are, uh, you know, I've, I've traveled a fair amount in the country and, and in, in the world and stuff. And there is a, a certain amount of hospitality um, towards strangers here that I think um, whether you're in the Portland area or, you know, in rural Knox, Waldo, Somerset County, where I've lived, um, I think that people are there. People want to help you. And, you know, I think right now it's, it's weird because there's this divisive energy in the country that I, I think some people, despite themselves are getting caught up in, which is sad to me. Um, but I think 
uh, on the whole, Maine does a pretty good job of, you know, Maine people um, do a pretty good job of, you know, not feeding into that. Um, but I mean, you know, we've got such diversity of uh, landscape here from, you know, the rivers and, and the mountains and, and then the coast and there's, you know, farmland and, you know, lots of people can make living, uh, make a living from agriculture on a variety of scales and on a variety of, of, of different harvests. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, people coming from away, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what can you offer and what can you learn? You know, um, I, I, I think that where people, a lot of people will sort of trip up is, you know, they think, you know, Maine's backwards somehow. <laughs> and like, you know, that it's not a choice that people live slower and, you know, don't speak as quickly and, you know, aren't, you know, haven't actually made these choices intentionally. Um, sometimes that that's true, but a lot of times it's like, no, it's actually an enjoyable thing in life to grow and take the slow way, grow your food, you know, process it, cook it, eat it with people, you know, turn the screen off. So I don't know. I think, um, you know, I, I think trying to understand that is, is a thing that folks can sometimes um, do well to do as opposed to just, Hey, I'm, I'm from the big city. I've got all the answers. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's good advice. And, and to be fair, the people that I've met will sort of, you know, not like sort of like myself, but other people I've met who aren't from Maine, but have came here very specifically for that because they have identified that they identified that, Hey, Boston, New York, LA, wherever they were like, you know, I went to Maine on vacation or I visited Maine for a little bit and I saw that there was a, a little bit slower, a little more appreciative way of living, enjoying outdoors, enjoying each other, or maybe not enjoying other people as much and being a little more sheltered or a little more isolated, you know, and um, I think the people that aren't from Maine, you know, they, they, they see that that's what makes Maine special. And I think that's the allure of it for a lot of people, you know, and Maybe we don't want as many people coming here during this uh, pandemic, but I think there's probably a lot of people that are probably thinking, maybe I need to be thinking about a little more rural lifestyle or a little more, you know, outside of away from the big populations because of this craziness. So that's uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it's neat that you say that because we've had uh, over the years filmmakers, you know, who will submit and be accepted to our festival you know, a couple of years later, they're like, oh, yeah, we're thinking of moving from D.C. or I live in Wells now. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, OK, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, and it, that's neat, too, because it's like I, you already know a little bit about how they think because you've seen their work, you know, so it's like, good. Welcome. Yeah. You know? um, so, uh, yeah, it's cool that that's your experience, too. Yeah. And it definitely seems like there's sort of that spirit. And, and in that creative world of the people that I've met here as well, it's sort of like, hey, man, if you got something to bring to the state and you got ideas and you got or clients or outside people or, or commerce or whatever, like come. And I think the state is open to that, you know, and people sort of in this, um, you know, sort of creative way of being able to live and work remotely, this and that, you know, there's more people that are coming here and, and enjoying it. So I think it's good. I think it's good. And I'm more yeah. for sure, you know. No, I was going to say, sorry, when they get, you know, I think, you know, Portland's a very unique, you know, place in, in Maine because it's like, it's the city, you know, and you've got like, I, I, uh, you know, I moved here from a small town and I mean, it seems, feels like a big city to me, yeah. you know, this is 
I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to leave anytime soon. Um, you know, but, um, a lot of the rest of the state is, is dealing with the fact that, um, you know, the young people are leaving and they're, mm. they're not coming back, you know? And so our, we're getting older as a state, um, you know, and, and there's opportunity for folks if they're like, you know, say you're in Arizona where the water's drying up and you want to farm, you know, you'd be welcomed in Maine and rural Maine and it's cheap land and it's fertile. And, you know, you just have to, like I was saying earlier, you know, you've got to kind of come to grips with the other realities, you know, this, you know, that people are kind of setting their ways a little bit, they're friendly, but you've got to sort of understand, you know, how to get off on the right foot. So then they, people can understand you. And I do think there's opportunity in Maine for, um, you know, young people, especially, you know, when we're looking at bringing um, broadband, you know, if you can raise your own food and keep your side hustle from your old job in the city and doing remotely. I mean, I think that's like a workable, you know, option, especially because the cost of living here. Um, and I know, you know, my friends are leaders in small towns and stuff. And I know that there's room for, you know, young people from away to, to have that happen. It's just, you know, where are they coming from? And, you know, like the, what's the practical way that they're actually gonna, yeah. you know, live in these small towns. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, th- I'm going to get into my sort of wrap up questions. These are the ones I ask everybody. And they're, and this one in particular is usually the one where I'll get people to be like, I'm not so sure I want to answer that. Uh, <laughs> what are, what are some of your favorite places to visit in the state? Or like you recommend to like, Hey, you know, this is a great hike. I love this mountain. I love this river. I love this town, you know, and I'm sure you have like so many to mention, but like just off the top of your head, what would be some you'd want to share with our audience? Uh, well, let's see. One of my favorite spots is, um, on the Kennebec river gorge, uh, flow trip. There's a, it's, um, dead stream. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's a uh, black brook falls. It's, uh, you know, there's really only one way in. you got to paddle in. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful spot. You tie your boat up and you just walk. It's like a, you can practically see the waterfall from, from the, from the main river there, but you can walk up this like 20 foot high cliff and you jump into this pool and then you can go up and into the waterfall. If it's a, as long as it's not charging too much and you know, you can hold on with both your hands and let the, the, the stream just pound on your back. And, you know, and then when it gets too strong, you let go and it pushes you underwater and you just get spit up a little bit. And I've had more picnics there on a, on a river trip. You know, you have your, have a beer and a, in a sandwich and it's just a, it's a special place for me. So I'd say, yeah, Black Brook Falls there on the Kennebec. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a really, really awesome day trip for sure. Um, and then, um, because Portland especially is a food and drink town, what's, uh, what are some of your go-to spots for lunch or a drink or, or going out for a nice meal or what are kind of some of your favorites? Best sandwich under 10 bucks, city of Portland. Don't come at me. Viva Taliano, Big Sky Bread uh, at the, uh, the Monument Square Market there. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I won't even freak around. It's such a good sandwich. Um, as far as, uh, you know, I haven't really been, gone out that much since uh, right. <laughs> children are four and two. But, um, you know, I actually like Samuel's um, out in Deering Center. That's near my house. Um, yep. I'm a sucker for Great Lost Bear on the peninsula. Um, 
you know, I love, uh, I love the jewel box, man. Got to go see Nanel. Um, they always have a delicious drink there. So the bearded ladies jewel box. Yep. Cool. Awesome. And then uh, last question, um, any advice for um, someone embarking on a, um, a personal creative project, whether it's a short film or music or a novel or even a young person or someone that's thinking about pivoting careers into media or journalism or um, any of that sort of thing? Just any sort of advice for a person who is you know, kind of going down that path in their, in their life? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing that I would say is be ready to work hard. Yeah. You know, um, you know, nobody's going to hand you anything. Um, I think another thing that you can do is is just reach out to people and see if you can have coffee with them or a Zoom call to pick their brain a little bit. You know, even if it doesn't lead to an internship or you know something um, tangible like that, you know, they'll you'll gain understanding about the way they think and the way they've made it. Um, and it may not be for you, you know, but you'll learn from that. And then, um, you know, the other, the other thing is like, do the volunteer opportunities in the field that you're looking for, you know, for example, the main film association, I'm a board member there. They, we have an educational series where we would always hold a couple spots in the classes for what we call scholarteers. So folks who could show up early, help set up, you know, but then stay for the class, you know, um, and, you know, get a, a lot out of it. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think seizing on those opportunities, even if you are scared because you don't know anything and you think you might stick out, dude, who cares? You're like 20 or it's your first year doing film. Of course you don't know anything, <laughs> you know, get over it and just do it, you know? And, uh, I think that's what I'd say to, yeah, those, those would be my three pieces of advice. I love that. That's great advice because, you know, building relationships and um, being willing to learn and going out there and not being afraid to fail. That's like, that's that's huge. That's huge, especially in the creative fields, you know, for sure. So, um, well, thanks so much, man. That was a great, great little chat. And um, uh, I'm hoping that people can come out there and, and see the, see the films at the Eastern prom and on Thompson's point. If you can't check them out virtually. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of go out, be creative and enjoy the state of Maine. You know, that's sounds like that's definitely what, where you sort of have found your little niche in the world. And, uh, it sounds like a pretty nice little, nice little thing you guys have going. So congratulations on that. Thanks, Jason. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to Nick for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. If you are interested in learning more about the Maine Outdoor Film Festival, visit MaineOutdoorFilmFestival.com or check the show notes for links to learn more. Do what you can to support this amazing event and these creative filmmakers. Next on this episode's main music feature, I have a song called The Diplomat. It's the opening track off of Travis Sears' 2019 release, Dragon Heart Blues. Travis is truly a Maine artist through and through. He normally spends his summers traveling all around Maine playing dozens of shows. And while COVID has kept him at home in the county for the summer, you can check out his Facebook live streams to support him. And all of his releases are available to purchase on his Bandcamp site. Travis is able to make musical waves with just his guitar and his voice, and this track showcases both. 
beautifully recorded, produced, and mixed, it has become one of my favorite songs I have discovered in Maine. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. of Abraham I remember Boot Hill and Dionysus in the rain I remember Hallelujah on a northbound train I remember Cleopatra she had the whole world in her hand My father, he once told me Just to give more of your time To all the people in it That'll make a happy life He said our demons, they got feelings That we may not understand But trust that things have their reason Trust that things have a plan I've been walking along the bold Atlantic coast, the atmosphere out at sea has made it so hard to breathe. Many men that sail the ocean from sea to shining sea, many men that scale the branches only to fall down like the leaves. Like Cassiopeia Way up there in the sky Was hunted down by Orion In early July And I still hear the mighty lions In the dead dark black at night And I still see the headless horseman Out on his midnight ride Grand Canyon That just rests within my heart It's my state of the union Now I'm calling all cars Inside this great canyon Across my great divide With all the love and all the hope At the space and speed of time Like St. Teresa 
who opened up the gate to all the wounded soldiers, all of us who lost our way. That girl that I loved Tell her I made it home safely Tell her I've had enough That was The Diplomat by Travis Sear. Check the show notes for links to Travis's Bandcamp page to hear more music by this incredibly talented main musician. We need artists and musicians to continue filling the world with their original works, capturing the spirit of humanity, and they need our help more than ever. So go find a local artist or musician and show them your support. Without the arts, we are just orangutans that don't climb trees very well. On that note, it's time to wrap up this episode. I am leaving you with some sounds of nature I recorded on a commercial video shoot last week. These were recorded just steps from Pebble Beach facing the immense rock face of Mount Caneo on Moosehead Lake. I hope you enjoy. I'll catch you next time on The Main Experience. The Main Experience is produced by Audio Evolutions. Audio Evolutions is a small business run by me, Jason DeWald, and I would love to work with you on your next project. In the modern age of digital media, it is easier than ever for people to be creative, but poor audio quality can distract from all of your hard work and ruin your project. Let Audio Evolutions help evolve your sound to the next level. Offering services ranging from full-scale music production for your next album, podcast production to give you the professional sound you deserve, audio post-production for video, location sound recording for video shoots, and even voiceovers.
send an email to jason at audioevolutions.net and let me know how Audio Evolutions can help you evolve the way your world sounds.